Hey there, folks. Welcome to Rock and Rally Tennis, where it's all tennis, all the time. I'm James Lynn. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Rally. That's rock underscore and underscore rally. And on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Rock and Rally Tennis. Rock and Rally Tennis podcast episode number 177 is brought to you by Career Wonder the ultimate career resource featuring video interviews of professionals from a wide array of industries. Share in the stories, journeys, and insights about their careers and jobs at careerwonder.com. Well, the first major of 2020 is now in the books. Congratulations to Sofia Kennan and Novak Djokovic on capturing their Australian Open titles. For Kennan, it was her first Grand Slam singles title. You know, with her win over Garbina Muguruza in the final, the 21-year-old American will vault into the top 10 beginning next week and become the highest-ranking American player on either tour at number 7. You know, as we headed towards the start of the Australian Open two weeks ago, you know, I believe there were a pool of maybe a dozen or so players who could win the Australian Open. Admittedly, I did not have Kennan as part of that pool. For me, and apparently many others, she flew under the radar. So huge props to Kennan for persisting and grinding to the title and knocking off some notable players along the way, including two-time major champion Muguruza, world number one Ash Barty, and fellow American and fast-rising star 15-year-old Coco Gauff in the fourth round. Hopefully, this is just the beginning of many more great achievements for Kennan. For Muguruza, after winning a slugfest semifinal in scorching heat versus Simona Halep, Muguruza seemed to be physically spent halfway through the final versus Kennan. Overall, it was a great comeback tournament for Muguruza. I mean, it was certainly nice to see the two-time major champion and former number one in the world play some great tennis again. Hopefully, this will mark her return to form after a really an uneventful 2019 season that saw her ranking drop to number 36 at the end of last year. You know, to share some thoughts on a few other players, you know, for Serena, she was dismissed in the third round by 27th seed Wang Shang, the same player who Serena had destroyed in just 44 minutes five months earlier at the U.S. Open when she yielded only one game and 15 points in the entire match. You know, in the loss to Wang, it seems Serena's fire and will to compete were there, but physically, it wasn't. You know, Serena is still a legitimate threat to win any tournament she enters, but at 38 years old, we have to wonder whether she can bring it physically as needed consistently to each and every match, especially in a Grand Slam. But regardless, Serena has nothing left to prove, so let's just enjoy her for as long as she is still playing. Regarding world number one Ash Barty, who was my pick to win the Australian Open, you know, watching her struggle to win matches, having to plod through and not dominate some of these matches, for the most part, actually left me with some questions rather than answers. Now, I believe Barty has the mindset to be a dominant champion. The question is whether she has the physical game to go along with it. Now, as I've said before, I am a huge fan of Barty's all-court game, variety, and versatility. But at some level, especially the way the game is played today with a lot of raw power and pace, you've got to have enough pop and physicality to be dominant. You know, on a slow hard court as the court conditions were at this year's Australian Open, players have sure footing versus, say, on a clay court. Consequently, the bigger hitters who can hit through slow, slow court conditions have a little bit of an edge because they have a smidge more time to get to the ball, set up, and deliver their shots. More so than a player like Barty, who can hit with adequate pop, but is not really a big ball banger. A slow hardcourt puts a little more pressure on a player like Barty to have to execute more crisply and consistently in order to win. And this reality was on full display throughout the tournament. 
you know, the broad takeaway from this Australian Open regarding the women's game is, well, it's the recurring theme of the past few years, which is wait and see as to who will eventually emerge as the next dominant champion. Until then, we may continue to see four different major champions every year, as has been the case since 2017. You know, that said, parity and depth of field is not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's actually been quite enjoyable seeing new players and champions emerge. For the men, Djokovic was the favorite heading into the Australian Open, and, well, he certainly did not disappoint. With the exception of the come-from-behind five-set win versus Dominic Team in the final, it was a fairly routine two weeks for Djokovic. I mean, he did drop a set in his opening round match, but he wasn't really challenged. I mean, he dismissed a hobbled Federer in straight sets in the semis and also straight-setted a resurging Raonic in the quarters. You know, team gave Djokovic all he could handle in the final, but what separates Djokovic from just about everyone else is his ability to defend and create offense from defense. I mean, no one is better than Djokovic when it comes to doing that. And he can do it off of both wings equally with frightening precision and regularity. With each Grand Slam victory, Djokovic continues to build his case to be in that greatest of all time or GOAT conversation. I mean, this was Djokovic's 8th Australian Open title and 17th major overall, which now uh, puts him within 2 of Nadal and 3 of Federer. You know, for me, Djokovic still has some work to do to be in that conversation, but no doubt, barring injury, there is no reason to believe Djokovic will not be able to continue to play like this. If he keeps this up, perhaps even as early as the end of this year, that GOAT discussion will get very, very interesting. But let's see how it plays out first. For team... He played really well for three and a half sets, at which time I thought he began to fatigue just a little bit. Now, his level of play came down only a little bit, but it was enough for Djokovic to reassert himself in the match in the fourth and fifth sets. You know, team played some really great tennis throughout the tournament. I mean, he outbattled Nadal in the quarterfinals in four very physical sets, and Zverev also in four sets in the semifinals before losing in the final uh, in five. You know, the physicality is always what I keep an eye on uh, when it comes to team, especially at the majors. You know, team plays a very physical brand of tennis, you know, similar to Nadal, but with more firepower off of both wings. You know, a few years ago when he was, what, 22, 23 years old, team would often play from several feet behind the baseline, blasting ground strokes and trying to outduel and outlast opponents from there. To his credit, over the past couple of years, Team has shown an increasing willingness to step in closer to the baseline and shorten the point when the opportunity is there. I mean, it's nice to see the continued maturation and evolution of his game. You know, Team has now reached three major finals. Uh, the other two times were at the French Open where he lost to Nadal. Now, I don't think there's much debate that Team is going to win a major sooner than later. It's just simply a matter of time. For Nadal, you know, I don't think he can be too disappointed as it pertains to his level of play, because it was, very, it was very high, even in his loss to team in the quarters. Nadal simply ran into a player in team who was younger, more physical, and, and most notably, possessed greater firepower, and thus was able to hit through the slower court conditions with, with greater regularity. Now, let me be clear. Slow courts are not necessarily a bad thing for Nadal. But when the court conditions also do not yield the high-bouncing ball action from his topspin forehand, well that's when he becomes a little bit more vulnerable. And that was really the difference in the match versus team, where it was team who won most of the long rallies. And that's something Nadal typically dominates. But heck, look, Nadal's game is in great shape. He just needs to stay healthy heading into the French Open, where he will be favored to win Grand Slam singles title number 20, which will tie him with Federer.
Speaking of Federer, you know, I thought the slower court conditions this year dramatically reduced his chances to win. You know, as we've seen from Federer in recent years, he is a little more vulnerable on slow, hard courts for reasons similar to what I talked about earlier regarding Barty and Nadal. You know, Federer is 38 years old. While he has more than enough pop in his arsenal, his game is not centered around rearing back and blasting away. Federer's game is predicated on using his phenomenal hand-eye coordination and timing to take away time from his opponents. On a slow hard court where the footing is sure, players are able to get to a few more of Federer's shots and, more often than not, put good swings on them. You know, we saw this at the 2018 Miami Open, where the conditions were humid and, humid and slow. I mean, Kokonakis, who was ranked 175th at the time, beat him in the early round. We also saw this later that year at the 2018 U.S. Open, where, again, under humid, heavy, and slow conditions, uh, Millman beat him in the fourth round. <laughs> and by the way, Millman almost did it again at this year's Australian Open in the third round, where he had a commanding 8-4 lead in the deciding, um, deciding set 10-point tiebreaker before losing the last six points to lose the match. Uh, but honestly, in the grand scheme of things, none of that really matters as far as I'm concerned. At this stage, I think it's more important for Federer and his team to manage his schedule with even greater care uh, and staying healthy moving forward so he can continue to make runs at potentially adding to his major total. You know, of the remaining slams, Wimbledon probably presents the best chance for Federer to make a, you know, a serious run at winning major title number 21. But similar to what I said about Serena, Federer, again, is 38 years old, so let's just enjoy him for as long as he's, he is still out there and playing. No complaints. Folks, it was a fun Australian Open to watch on many levels. And now that the first Grand Slam of the year is in the history books, anticipation will begin to build towards the next slam, where Nadal will be favored to win his staggering 13th French Open title and Federer and record-tying 20th Grand Slam singles title overall. Lots of great tennis ahead. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining us at Rock and Rally Tennis. Please subscribe to our podcast at rockandrallytennis.com. I'm James Lynn. See you next time.